Turn with me to Hebrews 2. Uh, I want to say this, um, my message tonight is, is a continuation of last week's message because um, it's uh, something that has really enthused me over these, the study here is that uh, that one statement there in verse 11. And that is it, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. That's a profound statement, and and I'm going to be preaching about that statement tonight. Matter of fact, that's going to be my, mainly my message. Uh, but uh, you know, brotherly love is something that uh, is of God. You know, if you if if you can't love your brethren, you know, the Bible says, how can you love the Lord whom you've never seen? And um, there's a lot of people out there that uh, they may love the brethren one week and not love them the next week. But that, should be, that shouldn't be the case. The case should be that, you know, you love the brethren and and sisters, matter of fact, it's mentioned in the Bible, brothers and sisters, uh, love the brethren and the sisters uh, all the time. And, you know, um, I was told one time that that there's no way that a person can can love the brothers and sisters in the Lord as much as they love their own family members. But that's not true. Uh I'll have to honestly say that I've got brothers and sisters here that I love uh, more than some of my own family. And um, and so I do want you to remember that and always remember that. It makes no difference what happens in the future. Um, makes no difference um, where everybody winds up. Uh, uh, I will always love you. And I'll always care about you. And I'll always watch out after you as long as I can, as long as it's possible for me to do so. And I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that, that, um, that uh, I do love you. And, uh, and if you study what I've been studying this week, you'll feel guilty about the fact that uh, there's a possibility that there may be some you don't love like you should, and um, but you'll feel guilty about it. And that's a, uh, and you know, a lot of people, I've said it all along, you know, a lot of people come to the house of God with guilty conscience, and they can't enjoy themselves as long as they have a guilty conscience. And and you can't do that. I I think about the two fellas that uh, uh, that I used to drink coffee with, they were both members of the same church. One of them sat on one end table, one of them sat on the other. And I talked to both of them. And I asked, I asked both of them, I said, why do you do this? I said, I hate his guts. I said, don't y'all go to church together? Aren't y'all in the same Sunday school class? Yes, but we don't sit near one another. You know, I, I just don't see how that can be. I just don't. I don't, I don't see how I could stand up here and preach 
and and if, if, if it was somebody I didn't love out there in that congregation, it would be it would be almost impossible for me to stand up here and preach. I just couldn't do it. And um, but I want you to understand those things. Those things are important because you know um, uh, I know I, the doctor told me today that my eyes aren't in the best of shape. But he said he was going to start to work on the worst one first and see what he could do with it. And, and But he said the other one is disease too. And uh, But he said, uh, he said uh, there's a possibility that they can keep it, you know, maybe the rest of my life. So... Um, so you, you folks remember that. You know, we, we never know. We never know what's going to happen to us. We never know what's going to happen. You know, we may think we got everything under control. We've got our lives under control. We've got our, we've got our things under control. We have under control everything that we want to do and, and, and every place we want to go and whatever we want to do. That's not necessarily so. God can stop those things right now. God can stop them right now, and um, and I know that for I know that for sure I know that I know that can happen. But uh, love of the brethren is an important thing. All right, uh, turn with me to Hebrews two, if you would, and I'm going to read through the eleventh verse again, and I'm going to finish up this eleventh verse tonight. Let's stand as we honor God's word by standing. Of uh, chapter 2 of Hebrews, first verse says, Therefore, again, I, I, I can't iterate, I can't uh, uh, say this enough, that this, this whole book is one, is one whole te- text. I mean, it's, it's, it's one whole uh, 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 section of, of the same thing. There's, the subject doesn't change uh, uh, throughout this whole book. But uh, he says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest deed, heed, I'm sorry, to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and I want to reiterate it is, and every transgression and disobedient received a just recompense or reward, that is, the people that did not listen. That's what he's referring to there. God sent his angels out with messages to the people. Thus saith the Lord. But he had people that would, wouldn't listen to those messages. That's what he's referring to here. He said that their, their message was steadfast, and but every transgression against that message, every disobedience against that message received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we, and I'm going to add some words here, if we do the same thing. How should we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? In other words, they spoke as he spoke. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come Whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visit him? 
Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all the things put under him, but we see Jesus. It's an important thing. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's the reason we see Jesus, because of the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor, that's the reason we see Jesus, for that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's why we see Jesus. For it became him for whom all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. None of the angels suffer for anyone. For both he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings, Lord. We thank you for each those that have come out tonight. Lord, we're thankful that they're in the house of the Lord. And, Lord, we're thankful that those that are traveling, that they got back safely, Lord. Uh, it's always a, much praying goes on when uh, people out on the road, as far as I'm concerned, because it's a dangerous thing out there. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll watch over each one of them. Pray for these families that are bereaved at this time. I didn't mention uh, the 25-year-old that got killed on the bridge uh, uh, going into going to Baxley, or coming from Baxley to, toward Vidalia. And, 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 Lord, I pray for that family. And, Lord, I pray for all those, Lord, that uh, have to get out there. I pray for my little daughter that's got to be on the road every day. And, Lord, I pray for her that you watch over her and take care of her. I pray for all these, Lord, that have to travel. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for taking care of us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> we we talked last week. Uh, we ended our lesson last week uh, with uh, the text from Romans eight thirty nine says for who did foreknow for who for who he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren uh, that in itself right there is is the confirmation of all one you know when the Lord saved us and I'll say this again I hope I hope I'm not saying it too much uh, I don't believe I am, but I'll say this again. When the Lord saves us, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and me or you, depending on who it is. They're all one. Just just like God the Father, God the Son is one, we're one with them. And, and that's how close we are to Jesus. That's how close. That's why Jesus said at the end of this verse here, verse 11, that he was not ashamed to call them brethren because they were as he is. I, I know that's hard for people to comprehend. That's hard for people to, to see. But, you know, we 
When the Lord saves us, we are what He was. Same thing as He was. We are what He was. And uh, that's, that's what He means here when He talks about uh, they are all one. And so we, we talked about that last week. And then, uh, now we want to get to this. Uh, we ended uh, also with this verse last week. Behold, what matter of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You know, we we have brothers and sisters out there that we, we've never met. We've never seen. We have brothers and sisters out there that overseas. We've got them everywhere that we've never met. And... Um, but um, they're all brothers and sisters in the Lord, those that are truly saved. Now, I'm not saying that as some teach here that everybody is saved. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Lord, the Bible's not teaching this either, that everybody is saved. But those that are saved are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. They're sons of God. God made them to be his sons. Now, who are the brethren? that he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus classified that statement in Matthew 12, 39 through, through um, 50, or 49 through 50. He said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. When someone came to him and they told him, they said, uh, Your mother wants to speak to you. And he said, uh, this is my mother. These are my brethren out here. Now, it wasn't that he was rejecting his own mother, but he was, he was living a lesson that he taught himself. Jesus was never hypocritical about anything he taught. You know, he was, he was never, you know, um, he, Jesus always lived what he preached. And sometimes I wish we could. But Jesus always lived what he preached. And, uh, and so when, when someone, they came to him and, and, and said, uh, uh, your mother wants to see you, then, uh, Jesus said, behold, my mother, he said, look, he said, here's my mother, here's my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven. Now, what do you determine what the will of his father is. You know what the will of his father is? That you believe upon his son. That's the will of his father. There's another place in the Bible he says, except you do the will of the father, you're none of, you, you won't be entering the kingdom of God. The will of the father is that you believe upon his son. And, and, and uh, I was talking to a man today at the, at the, at the uh, eye doctor's office. He was sitting beside me. And I was talking to him, and he looked over at me. One of the ladies there, I knew her, and she told all the rest of them, about ten of them in there, she told all the rest of them, she said, this man right here is a preacher. She said he used to preach in Glenwood. She's from Glenwood. I don't remember her name. But she said he used to preach in Glenwood. And she said, I went to church two or three times and said I enjoyed his preaching. Well, this other fellow beside me, he got talking to him. He looked at me. He said, well, you know, I believe in God. And, I mean, he was really being real bold about it. You know, I believe in God. I said, well, I don't mean to, 
be derogatory. I don't mean to be hateful about it. But I said, you know, the devil believed in God. And he said, did he? I said, yes, he did. And uh, the Bible says he believed and trembled. And so uh, just saying I believe in God, I explained to him, I said, you know, you have to be born again. Well, of course, he, he, he had no idea what I was talking about. And I tried to explain it to him, and that office was full of people. And that lady that was from Glenwood there, she said, y'all going to have him preaching for long. Said, uh, said he'll get right up here, right up here, and he'll preach right here. And, uh, and so, uh, so, uh, I, I told him, I said, uh, I said, I told him about being born again. I told him about trusting Jesus as his savior. He had never heard those things. He, he said, I go to church every Sunday. And I said, you don't ever hear those things? He said, either they don't preach it or I don't hear them when they preach it. And it could be that he doesn't hear them when they preach it because he doesn't understand it. But the thing about it is, unless the Lord opens up his understanding, he'll never understand it. But uh, the thing about it is, is what he says here, he says, Behold, my mother and my brethren... For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother, and here it is, my sister and my mother. Those who do the will of the Father. Now, is the will of the Father just believing upon Jesus? No, there's a lot more there. But that's what he's referring to here. Once you, once you have the, I was reading a, an article this, uh, I think it was Monday, Back there in my study, I was reading an article Monday, and it was talking about uh, it was talking about um, uh, those who do the will of the Father, and and it was talking about uh, uh, it said the will of the Father is the gospel, and I got to thinking about that, and I thought, uh, now uh, what do they mean by that? Then, then it, it came to me, I understood it. What they meant by that, the will of the Father is the gospel. You know, in the gospel of Christ is the will of the Father. The gospel of Christ is something that goes with us every step of the way that we walk in this world. The gospel goes with us. And, uh, and so uh, that's, uh, that's an important thing. You know, it, uh, you know, if you believe the gospel, then the gospel goes with you everywhere you go because the gospel is the will of the father the gospel of the lord jesus christ is the will of the father that's that's what he that's what he teaches and that's what jesus preached and that's what man has preached ever since long before you know i i'm come i'm one of the late comers as far as preaching is concerned but uh the, the fact is you know i i don't i'm not preaching anything that hadn't been preached before you know some people says you know, they talk about preachers plagiarizing. You know, there's no way a preacher can plagiarize, can preach a message and not plagiarize. Because nothing he preaches is, has never been said before. It's been said before what he, what he preaches. But we want to know that this is a relationship. That is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you, this is a relationship that Christ owns. He's the owner of that relationship. That's a relationship that no one else owns. No one else owns that relationship. Uh, uh, he, he owns it. We can, we can sit all day long 
and think about who are our brothers, brothers and sisters, or who our brothers and sisters really are, but not Christ. He knows who they are. He knows every one of them. He knows every one of his brothers. He knows every one of his sisters. You know, I've got a brother I see maybe once a year if, 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 if I fortunate, maybe twice a year, but I don't get to see him very often. And I had a sister that I never got to see very often. But, uh, Christ, Christ, um, uh, he, he knows every one of his brothers and sisters. And he's not ashamed to call any of them brother. He's not ashamed, you know. I have this thing that I, I was talking to a former church member at um, McDonald's the other morning. It's been probably two or three weeks ago. And when she left me, she said, well, good to see you, Paul. You know, and I thought to myself, I told one of those men there, I said, well, when I was pastoring her, she called me Brother Paul. But for some reason now, she calls me Paul. You know, and that's, you'll say, does that hurt? Sure, that hurts. Absolutely that hurts. When when a person can't call me Brother Paul, that hurts. It really does. She said, I'll see you, Paul. And, uh, but um, this is, Christ knows who, who all of them are. And um, he knows, he, he, he knows all of his elect. Even the meanest of them, even the worst of them, he knows them. You know, God, Christ has had some elect that has gone awry. And they're not what they should be, but he knows them. That's his brother. That's just like uh, some people often wondered, why did, why did uh, the Bible, why does the Bible call the Laodicean church one of the Lord's churches? Why, why would he do that? It is one of the Lord's churches. But it's one of the Lord's churches that have gone, gone away from him. The other one, the other churches down there, they have gone away from Christ. And, but, uh, that's, that's possible. You can do it. I can do it. We can go away from him. And, and, but, uh, he still loves us. He still knows that we're his brother or his sister. He still knows that. Uh, he knows who they are. All of his elect, even the meanest of them, even even at the resurrection of Christ, which the disciples refused to believe. They refused to believe that he was resurrected from the dead. He taught it to them. He taught it to them with and I tell you, things like this helps me. It really does. It it it, it helps me. It helps hold me up whenever I realize that Jesus spent three and one third years teaching these disciples about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then when the, the ladies came to tell them that Jesus had risen, they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Then, you know what that does? That tells me the next time somebody goes and, and they don't believe something that they've been taught anymore, I understand that. Because his own disciples did not believe that he'd resurrected from the dead. How much he taught them just before he died, he taught them. He taught them that he had to go away, but he would be back. 
But they didn't believe it. They thought those women were crazy. They thought those women were, were delirious. They thought they were crazy coming and saying, He, he has risen. You know, that's a, uh, but he still loved them. He still called them brethren. He still called them brethren, even though they rejected him. There's nothing any more down. I, I preach Sunday morning on certain downfall. And there's nothing that will take a person down any more than, than to have someone, uh, who, who will, uh, doubt them. But doubt the truth that they have preached. There's something in my, I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care what you are. There's nothing that'll bring you down any quicker. I mentioned those things Sunday in my message. Those things will bring you down. And, uh, so, so we, we, we must realize that Jesus never brought him down when he realized, matter of fact, how did he reveal himself to them? He had to go out there and reveal himself to them. Before they believe it. They was two disciples that was on the road to Emmaus. <coughs> this man appeared before them. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was until he said something that they recognized. You know, they didn't know who he was. Until he said they said something that he recognized. And then he revealed himself to them. I tell you folks, he they were his brethren and his sisters. It didn't make any difference what they done. They were his brothers and his sisters. When we learned of the doubting of, of the disciples, he said, and here's what he said in Matthew twenty eight, verse ten, he said, Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Even after he realized that they didn't believe that he had resurrected from the dead. He said, you go tell them. He said, you go tell them. He said, if they'll go to Galilee, he says, I'll meet them there. And they'll know who I am. They'll know that I have resurrected from the dead. Now, you talking about unbelief? That's, that's just pure unbelief. But it happens. I've seen it. I've seen it over the years. It happens. It just turns into pure unbelief. You know, and when people get sidetracked on certain things, it just, it just, uh, it just appears, uh, it appears, uh, you know, as unbelief. In Matthew uh, 25 and verse 40, he told the king, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it to the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it to me. Even if they were scoundrels. Even if they, even if they were brought up as done things that they shouldn't have done, he said, I want you to know if you, if you've done something to them, you might as well do it to me. That's how close he was to his brethren. How, how many of you here tonight, don't raise your hand, but how many of you here tonight feel that way? How many of you here tonight feel that when somebody, when somebody disparages or goes against one of your brothers and sisters, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that they're doing it to you too? Believe me, you do. Because I've had to defend my brothers and sisters over the years. Accusations that people bring against them. Things that people say. I've had to defend them. 
I'm not talking about these people out here who call us a cult. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about other Christian people that, may, that say they're saved and, and even say they're preaching, say something derogatory about one of my members, I'm going to speak up. Because they might as well say it about me too. Well, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus told, told the king there in Matthew 28 and verse 40. Man may feel they have a reason not to call one his brother, but never the Lord. He will never do any such thing. He'll always call them brethren. Brother Sam, he'll always call you a brother. Sister Carrie, he'll always call you a sister. He'll always call all of you that are saved. He'll always call you brothers and sisters. He'll always do it. Someday when you meet him in heaven, you're going to be his brother or his sister. He's going to greet you. He's going to greet you just that way. He's not going to say, oh, Sam Henry, so glad to see you, and wrap his arm around. No, he's going to greet you as brother. Your brother. Even if I don't know your name, your brother. And if I don't know who you are, your brother. I was talking with a lady today. I, I talked four or five of them in that office. I was talking to a lady today. And uh, she's a member of First Baptist Church in Vida. There was a man sitting there. He was from Swainsboro. And, and she was telling somebody that she was a member of the First Baptist Church in Vidalia, that guy said, well, that's an unfriendly church. Boy, she got mad. She said, I want you to know, I don't know who you are, and I don't know where you come from, but said, I want you to know First Baptist Church is not an unfriendly church. Well, I told her, I said, Brother Grady Rowan and I were real good friends. I said, we were brothers in the Lord. And she said, after what he said, she said, I'm glad to hear that. She said, I'm glad to hear that. And by the way, I asked him, I said, where do you come from? I thought he said Waynesboro, but he couldn't speak. He said Swainsboro. And I said, what church? You? Oh, I go to church all the time. So I said, what church you go to? He said, I go to the Methodist church. I said, well, you must be backslidden. He started dying laughing. Let me tell you, folks, this is, this is, this goes on all the time. This goes on all the time. You know, you should always honor your brothers and your sisters. And you should give double honor to your brother pastor. What the Bible teaches. Honor. Honor is due. Jesus loved his brethren. <clears throat> Whether you honor all the saints or not is your business, but it never happens with Christ. Christ always honors all of his brothers and sisters. He honors them. Psalms 11, 8, the Bible says there, his heart is established. His heart is established. He will never change. He will never change on loving you and loving me. He'll never change on it. I don't care what, I don't care what you do, where you go, whatever, whatever you do, if you defy him and go and, and do things, he, he'll never stop loving you. He'll love you right on into your sin. 
and then he'll love you out of it. You say, well, he'll chastise me. That's love. What does the Bible say in Hebrews 12? Every son he loveth, he chastises. That's love, too. Don't you understand that? Christ is not like man who changes his favorites from one day to the next. Not like that. Christ is not like that. He doesn't change his favorites. Christ favors his, his brothers and sisters, and they're always his favorite. They'll always be his favorite. He'll, he'll never change that. Thank God Jesus never does change it. Look at Leviticus. No, you don't have to turn there. I've got it written out here. But Leviticus uh, 25 and 48 he speaks of the kinsman redeemer. Now, this is a lesson I preached on many years ago, the kinsman redeemer. That's an interesting lesson. That's one that a lot of people don't tackle, the kinsman redeemer. But here, this is talking about the kinsman redeemer, and here's what he says. He says, it says, after he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him. Would you go get one of your brethren out of jail? I had a man tell me one time, if I got in jail for preaching on the street, he wouldn't come get me. But would you do that? I know another preacher that got in jail, and his deacons went and got him. Because they loved him. All they could have said, let, let the slut stay in there. The slot, whatever they call them. Well, yeah, let him stay in there. Or sought. Is that what it is? Ah, boy. And he said he, after he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him. They can buy him out of it. Would you buy one out of it? Would you pay his fine? Yes. The church paid this preacher's fine. They paid every bit of it. Those are people that I taught. The brotherly love. Yes, they did. We were talking about that preacher over in Beaufort, South Carolina, was preaching on the streets, and they put him in jail, and none of his members would go get him. They said, let him stay in there. And I said, well, what if I went out there and preached on the streets, and I got put in jail? I was told, well, you can just stay in there too. Okay, let's, let's all stand, if you would, and let's be dismissed. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for watching those take care of We thank you, Lord.